Hey, open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 17. That's where we will be today in our text. Uh, we are continuing our walk through Genesis. And so, again, last week was Father's Day. And again, I'm very thankful for the chance that we didn't get to Genesis chapter 17 uh, on Father's Day because of what uh, the text actually gets to and covers today. You'll understand fully whenever we get there, we get to that part of the text that we didn't talk about this on uh, Father's Day. Uh, but let's jump in uh, today. Uh, and we'll, this is kind of a long text, a lot to cover. Uh, so just follow along with me, if you will. Uh, I think we'll have the words on the screen as well uh, for you to see in our text. So here's what it says, Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. <clears throat> then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout the generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all of the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God." God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised. We'll get back to that. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring, both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So, so shall my covenant be in your flesh an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. He goes on to say in verse 15, <clears throat> and God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father 12 princes and I will make him into great nations. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. When he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. Then Abraham... Uh, then Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and all those born to his house, or brought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, and he circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very day, as God had said to him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. 
And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very day, Abraham, his son, Ishmael, were circumcised, in case you just missed that. And all the men of his house, those born in the house and those bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. So there you go. So all of you can stop squirming for just a little bit. So, uh, so pay attention because I need you to do just a little bit of math as we get into the text today. Uh, the very last we read, Abraham, or Abram before this text, Abram was 86 years old at the end of chapter 16 and Ishmael was born to Hagar. And so then we get to verse one and it says this, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am a God almighty, walk with me. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. So now we fast forward how many years? Yes, I do have a math whiz in the, in the group today. 13 years, uh, we fast forward, and now Abram is 99 years old, and God appears to Abram, and, and he gets right to the point. He doesn't mess around. He doesn't do any small talk. He's not like, hey, how's your mom and them, or nothing like that. I mean, he jips right to the point and says, hey, this is what he says. He says, he makes a declaration. He says, I am God Almighty. Okay, just in case you're wondering, in case you have any questions about who's talking to you, uh, you talking to me, yeah, I'm talking to you. I'm God Almighty. And, and so he lets that out right in the very beginning. So he makes a declaration and then he makes an invitation. He says, I want you to walk before me and be blameless. I'm inviting you into this and I want you, uh, you Abraham, to walk before me and be blameless. So he makes a declaration of who he is and he makes an invitation to Abram and then he goes into a proposition and he says, so that I can make my covenant with you. I want you to be blameless before me. I want you to walk with me and I'm gonna make a promise. I'm gonna make a covenant. I'm gonna make a promise to you uh, and, and I wanna be able to do that if you'll do what I just asked you to do. And then lastly, he says, so that I'm gonna make a promise to you so that I can multiply you greatly. So that's what he wants to do. So he said, I'm God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless so I can make my covenant with you and so then that I can multiply you greatly. So that's what he says in these verse two, first two verses. Uh, and honestly, if we think about it, it's the same kind of invitation. It's the same kind of invitation that God invites us into today. I, I mean, think about it. The first thing that God said was, I am God Almighty. And he says those same things today. I am God Almighty because God hasn't changed. God doesn't change. He is always the same. So the same God that was speaking to Abraham, the same God that was speaking to Abram is the same God that speaks to us today. He, doesn't, he, didn't, he hasn't changed since then. He doesn't do things differently since then. And so he says, I am God Almighty. So he said it then. He says it to us today. And we, we speak and we talk with him. He commune with the same God that Abram was communing with here in Genesis. Uh, and then in the same way, he tells us to do these things, to put off our old sin and to put on righteousness. He told Abram, he said, walk before me and be blameless. He says the same thing to us. Put off your old sin, put those things to death, those things that are sinful in you, put those things away and put on, the, uh, and put on my righteousness. It's a beautiful thing in the gospel. We call it the great exchange. God takes all our sin, we get all his righteousness, and we put that on regularly. The scripture also tells us to regularly put our sin to death, 
Just like he was telling Abram to do at this time, put those things away. Put those things behind you. Put that sin to death. You know what those sins are. I know what my sins are that I need to continually fight and put to death. And you know what those are as well. And so I encourage you to continually fight those things and put those things to death. He, uh, God tells us uh, as well, he says, I'm making a promise to you to never leave you or forsake you. Uh, he told Abraham, he made a proposition so I can make my covenant with you. And God's covenant with us is that he'll never leave us or forsake us. Uh, it, it's what we call eternal security. The good thing is, is we can't lose our salvation. If we have truly repented of our sins and put our faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus, we can't lose our salvation. Jesus says, nobody snatches us out of his hands. Now I know some of you that may be watching have grown up in some uh, religious uh, uh, environments that will tell you that if you sin, that you lose your salvation. And th that is just a terrible theology. And I'm just gonna encourage you, if you're in a church that tells you that you can lose your salvation, you need to find another church. Yeah. It don't have to be this one, but you need to find another church that will treat that will preach and teach the truths of the scripture that Jesus says, nobody's gonna snatch me out of, nobody's gonna snatch you out of his hand. You, you are not gonna lose your salvation if you are truly a Christian. Yes, there may be times that you go through some religious acts and we'll get into those kind of things uh, as we talk through the scriptures today. But if you've truly repented of your sins and put your faith in the finished work of Jesus, that, that's a good word, finished work of Jesus, he has accomplished the work, then nobody will snatch you out of the hands of Jesus. That is one of the glorious things about the good news of the gospel is that you are eternally secure, Amen. Yeah, amen. And, and then, and lastly, uh, where he told uh, Abram, uh, from Abram, he said, I, I, I wanna multiply you greatly. He tells us to do the same things. He says, you go, and, you go and make disciples. You go and make disciples that make disciples. And so that becomes that multiplication process that, that God was talking to Abraham about here in Genesis chapter 17. We get that same kind of message today, to go and multiply and see the good news of the gospel spread throughout the world for, to every end of the world, to every tribe and nation and tongue. And so we get to be a part of that today. The good news is, is God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that is preaching and, and talking to Abraham here in Genesis chapter 17 is the same God who speaks and, and, and communes with us today. That's good, good news. Uh, so we go on and, and, uh, uh, and uh, chapter, uh, uh, verse three, this is what it says. Then Abram fell on his face. And honestly, Abram responded the only way that you can whenever you're in the presence of God. He falls, he falls down and he worships him. He showed a reverence for God. I mean, just an absolute reverence. He, he was in his presence and he just fell on his face. And this, he did the only thing that he knew uh, that he was supposed to do when he was in the presence of God. He knew his holiness. He knew that he was something other and he was different from him and that he owed him that reverence. He owed him uh, that worship at the time. And sometimes, honestly, as I was reading through this and, and I, was, I was thinking through this, that I have somewhat of a cavalier um, attitude sometimes toward worship in God. I just have an, a cavalier attitude that I can just kind of halfway go through the motions or I can just kind of halfway worship God. Or, you know, we don't have to go through some type of formality whenever we worship God, but the reality is he's the God of the universe. He is the God who has rescued us and saved us and given us a hope and a future. And, and, and sometimes we're just very cavalier with that. And unfortunately, I think it, it transpires over into our witness to go, this doesn't seem very important to Christians, so why should it be very important to non-Christians? 
It's a very difficult and I think hindrance to our witness whenever we're very cavalier in situations like this. Let's not be that way anymore. Let our worship be true and genuine. Let our worship be real. It doesn't have to, we're not, I'm not talking about putting on a show, but I'm just saying let our worship be genuine. That's what happened to Abram whenever he met God, whenever he saw God, he fell on his face in worship and reverence for him. Look, verse four, God says this. God said to him, behold, because God says, behold, that way. Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. And so God says, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to make you a fa the father of a multitude of nations. So many nations, not just one great nation, not just one nation, uh, but, but a, the father of a multitude of nations. So uh, uh, Abraham was going to see his uh, offspring spread throughout the world and spread to multitudes of nations throughout the world. Then he goes in verse five and says this, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. And so Abram becomes Abraham, and I'm really happy that we got to that in the text, so I don't keep messing it up and saying Abraham, but it was just Abram so far in the text. And so he calls his name Abraham, and, he, and literally the word Abraham means father of, many, father of nations. And so honestly, as you read that from now on in the scriptures, I hope it will remind you that when you read the word Abraham, you read the name Abraham, that it will take you back to Genesis chapter 17 when God made the promise, this is what your name means, the father of nations. He goes on and says this in uh, verse six, I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into nations and kings will come from you. Now, who's doing the work here? Who's, who's doing the work in the text? Yeah, God is doing the work, right? God is doing the work. Look what it says. He says, I will multiply you. So God is going to multiply Abraham. He says, I will make many nations from you. God is doing the work in making many nations from Abraham. And he says, I will make really important people come from you. So many really important people with like leather books are, are going to come from uh, Abraham at some time. Uh, and, and so God is working then. And, and so my question is, is God at work in your life today? Can you look around and see that God is at work in your life today? Can you examine your life and say, is God at work in my life today? Could someone look at your life and say, God is clearly at work in your life today. He is doing something. He is changing you. He is transforming you. He is conforming you into the image of Jesus. Here's what we know. If you are his, then he is. Okay? Here it is. If you are his, then he is. That ought to be on a shirt somewhere. If you, are, if you belong to Jesus, then he is absolutely changing you and conforming you into the image of himself. If you belong to him, if you are his, then he is. That's what's happening. And that's what God said uh, in verse six. He said, I'm gonna make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make you into nations and kings will come from you. He said, so I'm going to do some work in your life. And my hope is, is that God is doing a work in your life. If you belong to him, then we have to believe that he is. If, he, if you can look at your life and go, nothing's ever really different, nothing's changed in me, then you have to go, is the spirit of God actually at work in me? Is the spirit of God actually living in me? Because the spirit of God can't live in you and just leave you the way you are, okay? 
You have to be different if the Spirit of God actually lives within you. Let's keep going. Verse 7, this is what the text says. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your offspring after you. And, and, And so God is establishing his covenant with Abraham. He says, throughout all, say all. How many is all? all, throughout all generations. And so the question becomes today, does that count even today? Hmm? Does it count even today? Yeah, because God says, uh, yes, I'm going to establish my covenant through you throughout all generations. And God says, I'm gonna do it to you and I'm gonna continue to do it throughout those who are going to be part of my family forever. That's what God was promising uh, to do with Abraham. Let's keep going. Verse eight, and I will give to you and your offspring after you the land of your sojournings and to the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession and I will be their God. He says, I'm gonna give you and your kids and your kids' kids to the land that I promised you. He said, I- I'm just gonna give it to them. And, and, and so he, how long does he say he's gonna give it to them? What does it say in the text? See those two big words on that next to the last line? An everlasting possession. He says, I'm going to give this to them and I'm promising it to them and I'm going to be their God forever and forever and forever for an everlasting possession. And so what is he promising to Father Abraham? Many sons. (laughs) I am one of them and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, right hand, okay? Yeah, so, um, you know, so seriously, no, I'm not doing the whole song, okay? Not doing the whole song. Father Abraham, and he said, no, 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 we're not doing the song, stop, stop, we're not doing the song, we're not doing the song. So he says, I am going to give this to them ongoing. This will be theirs. This will be their possession forever. And then he gets to verse nine. He says, and God said, Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after uh, you throughout their generations. And he says, hey, as for you, keep my covenant and your kids, your kids, kids, and kids, 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 all those keep my covenant for all generations. And things seem to be going really well so far. I mean, uh, it was almost like Abraham could have sat down and said, you know what, Let, things seem to be going really well. Let's just sit down and have some chicken wings. Let's just sit down and enjoy ourselves together. Or uh, things seem to be going really, really well right here. Uh, but honestly, b- before we move on to the next really serious piece of this text, let's look back and, and just read this again to see who's at work. Verse six, again, reminding you, who's at work here? I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you and through their generations for everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will make you into your offspring. I will make, excuse me, and I will give to you and to your offspring and you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession and I will be their God. So God clearly at work, multiplying, electrifying, grease lightning. I mean, he is moving and grooving and uh, doing a lot of work here. And then God repeats himself again in uh, verse 10. Here's what he says. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. So he's like, he's repeating himself. And so he's got clearly something important to say with his next statement. And then this is what he says. Every male among you shall be circumcised.
Every male among you shall be circumcised. Let's keep reading in the text. Here's what it says. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring, both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall, shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So everything seemed to be going really well. And, uh, and God says, okay, because all the stuff that I've promised you is true and everlasting. And, and so here's what I want you to do in return. And he says, I want you to circumcise the kids at eight days old, every child, I want you to circumcise them. Abraham's like, oh, okay. And then he says, I want you to circumcise all the males who are, uh, that, that are with you. Uh, and whether the, you've bought them as a slave or whether they're just part of your family or whoever they're with, I want you to circumcise them as well. So born or bought, you, you, they're gonna, you're gonna circumcise them. And Abraham's like, okay. And then he says, I want you to circumcise yourself, 99-year-old Abraham. And he's like, he's like, say, what? Well, this is a picture we actually saw from some old thing. This was Abraham uh, whenever God said this to him. He's like, say, what? Um, you want me to circumcise myself? Uh and so the interesting thing that I, I see from this text is interesting. Look, look at verse 14. Uh, it's, it's interesting, the uh, play on words here. Verse 14 says, any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be what? Cut off. Yeah, uh, shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So funny play on words there. Moses is really funny when he wrote this. Uh, but anyway, uh, so what's the purpose? I mean, really, that, that's the question. What is, what is the purpose? Uh, what is the purpose? Because this better be a good one. Uh, this is a serious thing that you're asking me to do here. What is the purpose? And here, here's what it is. So, so uh, I, you know, I joke about this a lot and, and we laugh about this because uh, dudes get really serious about this. Um, uh, but what is the purpose in this? What was God's purpose behind uh, doing this with Abraham? And the reality is for them to be marked by God, okay? For them to be marked by God. They, they had an identity. They were set apart from anybody else who was, that they were around. Anybody else that they sojourned around, any other land that they went into, anybody else, they were set apart. They were, they were something different. They, they were identified differently than anybody else that was anybody else that they would encounter, anybody else that they would come into the land of. They were set apart and they were identified differently because of a mark that, that they had received from God. And honestly, it came around blood. When God made a promise in the scriptures, he usually accompanied it by blood. And usually a blood sacrifice is usually the way that God would typically roll. And honestly, can't we agree with anything with a knife and nether regions becomes a very serious situation? Uh, yes, we all can. Uh, uh, so let's talk briefly about circumcision. Um, 
the reality is that it was a token of the covenant, okay? It was a token of the covenant, uh, covenantal language that God had just made with Abraham, a sign of the covenant that they had made together. And, and honestly, anyone who was born into the Jewish nation and any of those slaves that they might purchase from that time forward, uh, they were to be circumcised so they could have their identity to know that they belonged to God. And this was a, a, a clear sign that this is who you belong to. You belong to Yahweh and he, uh, he possessed you and, and, and you, were, you were his. And honestly though, as you read in the scriptures and it gets a little bit further, there are people that are along this line that choose not to be circumcised. They abandon some of these practices that the Jewish people had. And, and honestly, we don't have time to cover that today, but we'll cover that a little bit later as we get to it further in the text. And as so the question becomes, uh, is this binding for us today? Is this something that we have to keep on doing today? Do we, do we keep going forward with this today? And, and, and so when we talk about circumcision and we get into the new covenant and the new Testament, circumcision becomes a matter of the heart. Amen? Yes, circumcision becomes a matter of the heart. This is huge. Say huge. Say huge. Huge is huge. Yeah, so if you can turn with me if you want, but I'm going to have the text with us. So from Romans chapter 2, uh, Paul talks about this whenever he writes his letter to the church at Rome. He says this, For circumcision is indeed, indeed is of value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded or counted as circumcision, then he who is physically or by nature uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but breaks the law. For no one is a Jew who, uh, no one is a Jew who is merely one outward, nor in circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. So let's go back uh, to the beginning of this text because this is important. So this is what Paul says around this very thing. So for circumcision is indeed a value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So he says, hey, this thing that was established by God, if you keep all the law, so he was identifying you as a Jew, and if you keep all the Jewish laws, all of them, if you keep them all and you keep them perfectly, then your circumcision has some value for you. You tracking with me there? Because you're part of that nation and I've given you these laws and this is an identity for your nation. And if you keep this, then your circumcision actually has some value for you. But he says this, if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So he says, if you break any part of the law, because that's what the law said, if you break any part of the law, then you've broken the whole law. He said, if you break it, then your circumcision is of no value. You wasted your time. That was a bad deal for you. Okay, this is just not a good thing for you if you break any part of the law. And then he goes on in the next verse. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded or counted as circumcision? You see what he says? He says, so some dude over here that did not have to go through the deal with circumcision, if he keeps all the law, then his uncircumcision counts as circumcision because he kept the law. Tracking? Yeah, because he kept the law. Paul knowing that that was impossible, right? 
He knew it was actually impossible for anyone to keep the whole law. So then he goes to 27 and says this, then he who is physically or by nature uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. See what he says? He said, so somebody that was outside of you who keeps it, they're actually condemning you because you couldn't do it anyway and you, the law was given to you. Then in 28, this gets a little bit more closer to home. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly. No one is a Jew. This gets really controversial in a lot of religious circles, okay? No one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, which means no one who has just followed the, the precepts of circumcision, and this is what the Jewish code says, and this is what the Jewish law says for me to do outwardly. No one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly who, or who is just identified with circumcision, nor is circumcision outward and physical. So he's saying that circumcision is not even about all this cutting. It's not even about all this physical circumcision, but it's inward. It is inward only. It is about the heart. And that's what he says in 29. But a Jew is one inwardly. And circumcision is a matter of the heart. By the spirit, not by the letter. By the spirit, and not by the letter. So our identity and our, our communion, our familial language and identity with God is spiritual, not by the letter. And everybody in the room says, amen. That is good, good news. And so early in Romans, Paul was writing to a real mixed audience of both Jews and Gentiles. And he said, even though circumcision was commanded by to Abraham uh, here in our text in Genesis chapter 17, it is of no value apart from Jesus. Circumcision is of no value apart from Jesus. Outward spirituality is of no value apart from Jesus. That's the whole point in this, the whole point. In this. And so our text goes on, and I'm not going to continue to read the text because we covered it already, but this is basically what God says in the balance of this text uh, from a, a, a verse 15 on because he's talking about the birth of Isaac. Uh, verse 15 to 27, here's kind of a summary. Uh, Abram, Abraham laughed, okay? He, he laughed at what was going on and he laughed about being a dad and he laughed about, hey, hey this, this, this is a little bit crazy. I mean, can't we just do this with Ishmael? I've, I've already got a son here and, and I know you're promising me a, a son, but, uh, but, but, uh, but I've already got a son and his name's Ishmael. And, and God was like, hey, is anything too hard for me? I, I can do whatever I want to do and, and I can do some things that you can't even imagine that I can possibly do or think. And, and, uh, and, and so God said, Abraham, you're going to have a son within a year and, and I'm going to establish my covenant with Isaac. It's not going to be through Ishmael. I'm going to establish my everlasting covenant uh, with Isaac. And honestly, that's how God rolls. He does things the way he wants to do them and how he wants to do them. And sometimes impossible, what seemed like impossible situations, that's how God uh, seems to, to do and how he seemed uh, Good Lord, uh, how he kind of seems to roll. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and, and so all seemed well as you get to the end of uh, chapter 17, because God's saying, this is what I'm doing. I'm establishing my covenant with your new son that's going to be born. And then uh, Abraham, remember, he's got some work to do. And so he had a big task in hand. He had he is 99 years old and he had to be circumcised himself that day. And then he had to do all the circumcision work. And so for the remaining of verses, he just went to cutting. And so that's how uh, the rest of the chapter goes. And so you go, so what? So, so what do we do with all this? I mean, what do we do with a text like this? And, and what do we, how do we take this? And what do we do with anything we do about uh, circumcision uh, uh, about this? So, so circumcision is an outward sign, okay? So circumcision was an outward sign of something that had happened. And so today we say this, that our baptism correlates to circumcision, okay? It correlates to circumcision um, uh, because God makes a promise and he says, here's an outward sign of the covenant and the promise that I have with you. And, and so if you, uh, you don't have to turn with me, but I'm gonna read from Colossians chapter two and that's gonna help us understand what this correlation is. Here's what uh, Paul said uh, to the church at Colossae in verse six. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. For in him, the whole fullness of deity uh, dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head uh, of all rule and authority. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised in him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Okay, so that's, let me just, let me slow down right there and tell you what Paul is saying. So look back, well, you're not looking at it, but this is what he says. Uh, he says in verse 11, in him, in Jesus also, you were circumcised. So you were identified, okay? You had an identity with a circumcision made without hands. So no cutting involved, no blood involved, nothing for yourself. Uh, there was a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh. You see the picture that he's doing there? See the picture, putting off the body of the flesh uh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And he said, so this is the identity. You have a new identity and your identity is now with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Tracking with me, church? That is, that is the circumcision that we receive. That's the identity that we receive today is through uh, our identity with Jesus. And, and so what we know is, uh, let, let me go and finish this, these last few verses. He says this, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them all to shame by triumphing over them in him. And so what he says is he, uh, 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 we were dead in our trespasses and the uncircumcision of our flesh, so our old selves, 
sort of old selves had to be made new and we were dead and now we have been made alive and new and given a new identity, a new identity in Jesus. And so just as uh, the text tells us here in Genesis chapter 17, that if you were not circumcised, remember that last verse that we read about circumcision, if you were not circumcised, that you would be cut off from your people. Remember that from the text? The same thing happens to us whenever we don't follow Jesus. If we don't repent and believe, we are cut off from the people of God. Tracking there? That's how this, uh, this is how this connects with one another is that circumcision is not of the flesh, but it is of our hearts. And, and so that is a beautiful picture uh, that, uh, that Paul was making to the church at Colossae. And that's my next point is that circumcision is a matter of the heart. That's really what circumcision is. Uh, because the truth is not all who are Israel, not all who are Israel are part of Israel. Scripture tells us that. The New Testament tells us that, hey, not all who have just gone through the motions, not who all who have the nationality, not who all who have received circumcision are actually part of Israel. They are not part of true Israel. And, and, and so parents, I want you to listen to this. And so I know, again, that can be somewhat controversial when we use language like that, but not all Israel are part of Israel. And what Paul is saying in the New Testament is, and just because you have a nationality, just because you have something uh, around some religious activity, uh, just because you were born into some religious part of the world uh, or religion uh, in and of itself, doesn't mean that you are part of true Israel. True Israel are those who have repented of their sins and put their faith in trust in the Messiah, Jesus. That is true Israel. That is, that, that's what's important here. And I need parents, I need you to listen right now. I, I know that, that many times our kids come from some type of experience at church or something like that, and, and, and we want to get them baptized right away. And, and it's because they can regurgitate something that they've just heard over and over. Because honestly, if you grow up in a Christian home and, and we, uh, we talk about Jesus a lot and we, we talk about sin and we talk about Jesus dying on the cross and being raised from the dead, that sometimes our kids can just repeat those things. I, I watch this... Uh, uh, there's this crazy pageant show that comes on sometimes with little bitty short people and little bitty kids in pageants all the time. And they can just train them to go out and to spin and twirl and smile and dance and do all these kind of things, even though they have no idea what they're doing, right? They're training them to do these kinds of things. Many times, and it's not a bad thing. Please don't hear me in the wrong, wrong light of this. It's not a bad thing for us to talk to our kids about Jesus. But my fear is that many times we'll take our little bitty kids that can, are just regurgitating things about Jesus and we want to get them baptized right away because we're fearful uh, that, this, that they're not going to be saved at some point. Trust me, God knows what he's doing, Okay. God knows what he's doing. And just because we put a sign on somebody, just because we baptize somebody does not mean that they're saved. We hope that they are when they're baptized. We talk to them here at Refuge. We ask them a lot of questions for them to be able to actually articulate what it is that they believe before we actually baptize people here at Refuge because it's so, so important that we just don't give somebody a golden ticket theology and say, hey, I've said these words, I've said this prayer, and now I've been baptized and I'm good. I'll go live the way I want to. Because the reality is, just as circumcision in Genesis gave us identity, a circumcision was very specific, circumcision was commanded, it was, it was given to a people who were called to be different, it was, it was given to them to have their new identity. The same thing is for us whenever we trust Jesus. We have a new heart, we've been given a new identity, we've been given new thoughts, we've been given a new people to be a part of a people. And that's what it looks like whenever we become part of the family of God. And so the question 
question that you have to deal with, that each of us has to deal with today, is have you been circumcised in your heart? Have you been given a new heart? Have your old flesh been cut away? Have you been marked by God? Does God know you? Are you really part of the family or is there just some religious activity that you might've gone through? Many of you've prayed a prayer. Many of you have been baptized. Just like I said, not all Israel belongs to Israel. And not all who prayed and have been baptized actually belong to Jesus. My hope, and we, when we talk about this chapter today on God identifying himself with his people, my hope is that you have the identity that Jesus has given to you because you have repented of your sins, because you have believed the gospel, because the spirit of God actually lives within you, because the spirit of God is actually changing you and conforming you into the image of Jesus. And as you listen to this and as you examine yourself today, be truthful with yourself. Is the language that you use, is the thoughts that you think, are the, the places that you go, the things that you're involved in, the, the, the ways that you encourage people, are they about the people of God? Or has your flesh never been changed? You can be today. It's not nearly as difficult as it was with Abraham and all the people back in Genesis chapter 17. But you do need a new flesh. Because Jesus has done the hard part. Ask Jesus to get to cutting and changing and making you new. That happens by repenting of your sins, recognizing that you're a sinner, recognizing that you need to be part of the family of God. You need a new identity today. That can happen for you. Repent of your sins, which means confess your sins to God. Tell him all the plays, the ways, the way you've sinned against him and that you can't do it on your own and you need the perfect righteousness of Jesus. You'll never be perfect on your own. You need the perfect righteousness of Jesus. You need the perfect identity of Jesus to be credited to your account. Will you do that today? This is the way you do it. You can pray a prayer literally where you are right now and say, God, I recognize that I am a sinner. And I recognize that I need saving. I need a savior. And I need the savior who was perfect, that we only needed a perfect sacrifice. And Jesus was my only perfect sacrifice. And I don't trust in my own righteousness anymore. I trust in the finished righteousness, the perfect righteousness of Jesus. And Jesus shedding his blood to cover my sin debt. Will you forgive me of my sins? Will you make me a Christian today? Honestly, we believe if you say that kind of prayer from your heart, that God will open your heart. He will give you a new heart. He will circumcise the flesh of your heart and give you a new heart. Honestly, if you have questions about that or you really don't know what to do from there, you want to talk about it a little bit further, will you contact us? Will you call us? Will you write to us? Will you say, or you come, if you know where we live, stop by our house and let us get a chance to talk with you and pray with you and share with you what it means to have literally a new heart, it would be our joy to get to do that with you today. We would celebrate just as uh, Abraham was getting a new identity, just as the people were getting a new identity in Genesis 17 to celebrate with you and your new identity today in Jesus. Let me pray for you today.